minimalists. <laughs> Howdy, what's your name? Hey guys, my name is Robbie. Hey Robbie, what's up, thanks, man? thanks for being here. Thank uh, you. I appreciate you guys coming down and your message tonight has been great for the city of Birmingham, so we appreciate you guys coming. Oh, thanks, brother. Thank you very Where much. Where are you from? Man. Thanks. I grew up in Athens, Alabama, so just a small town about an hour and a half north of here. Yeah. Well, thanks for being here. Thanks. Uh, so my question is, I'm about to get married to my beautiful fiance who's here tonight. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, and we're trying to be proactive and think ahead about investing and in making sure that we're set up for retirement so we don't have to work until our 60s and 70s. Um, and I've heard you guys reference uh, a certain standard that you use to decide when to jump into a business opportunity or how to spend your time. And I like to call that standard the hell yeah standard. So my question is, do you use the hell yeah standard to decide between a traditional IRA and a Roth IRA? Or is there something else that you guys use to decide what's the best investment opportunity down the road for you? So quite often we confuse the term excitement with, um, so hell yeah sounds like I'm gonna always be crazy excited about something. But sometimes hell yeah can mean my future self is going to be really grateful for this, right? And so for me, um, part of it has to do, yeah, with, with the feeling and, and also my, my aversion to, to risk. And so I, I think you'll find that regardless of whether you put your money in mutual funds, you put your money in a Roth IRA, in a SEP IRA, a 401k, a 403b, or any of these other accounts, any financial expert is going to tell you the number one thing to do is to start saving that money. And those 59 and a half accounts are great because of the tax benefits, obviously. Um, but even if you were to put your money under your mattress, which is a terrible idea, please don't do that. It's better than spending it on a bunch of junk that you don't need. Yeah, I'm still thinking. You go. You're still thinking? I'm still thinking. I'm still thinking of, yeah. Okay, I, I'm, I'm never thinking. So let me have it now. Um, I agree with everything he's saying, and especially how old are you? I'm 26. Oh, my goodness. Yes. How old is your beautiful fiance that I can't see right now because she's in the dark? She's 23. Oh, you married young. Smart. Yeah. Um, I would definitely say start right now. You know, uh, but here's, here's going to be my thing. I'm going to flip it on you. Um, do you guys have any debt? Uh, I'm bringing in a lot of debt. I'm in law school right now, so I'm accumulating a lot of student loans, but kind of the hope is that eventually that'll flip over and I'll be making enough money to make it worthwhile. Cool. Uh, my suggestion as a young person um, is that I, I don't agree with investing into my future when my present is rocky. So what I want to do is get my present solid, then build on top of that. Okay? So I would say, I would say get out of debt first, Stack that emergency fund, then start building for your future. Because why build for your future when you may have to spend a lot of money to sit, get out of debt right now or something happens right now? So um, that's what I highly recommend because the study shows that your age bracket in debt, we're only going to invest about maybe 2 to 3% of our income. But if we're out of debt, we're going to invest close to 10 to 15%. So you will catch up in time if you have that much freedom on your paycheck and on your income. But right now, you don't have that much freedom because it's tied up in debt, student loans. You're going to be a sharp young man. You're about to be an attorney. Let me get your number, by the way, as, as a matter of fact. Um, but what I want you to do is start preparing for it now and just attack. Use all that money to get out of debt. Like I stand by that because it helps me out. 
And that's one thing that I've, I told my parents that, 58 years old, my dad is still in debt. I said, dad, stop. He was like, why? I was like, because you're, you're still in debt and you're only giving your 401k two and a half percent. My dad stopped, got out of debt. Now he gives about 30% into his whole retirement fund, 15% into one account, another into another account, because like he has that freedom. So with you being young, worrying about your future is important, but also worrying about and creating a solid foundation is more important, because you can't build a small house on a rocky foundation. Amen, man. That's pithy. Tweet that, Jess. <laughs> Thanks for the time. I, 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 I totally got something. Now. You got something? I got something. Okay. Well, this no, better be good. You, well, you know, it's funny because like this question about how to invest, like, dude, I wish, I wish so bad that I was the dude you went to for investments. Like, yeah, Ryan Nicodemus, he knows, he knows how to invest. He's the money guy. You need to go talk to Ryan. I am not the money guy, man. But I do have people on my team in life who are the money guys. And uh, ultimately, that's, that's what Josh and I do. I mean, when, when we first even uh, uh, started talking about, all right, um, we, we need to get a CPA, we need to do taxes, how are we going to uh, save money, um, how can we do that as you know, incorporated, so for, well, we're not incorporated, as an LLC, so forth and so on, we went to a CPA to talk about coming up with a plan to do that. So what we did from the beginning of the year, when we first met with him, that whole year, we were saving up to max out that, that investment account that we had talked about him at the beginning of the year. So uh, I think the only thing I could really add to this is, um, yes, start saving after you pay off your debt, but w when you do start to save, that has to be in your budget. That has to be a line item in your budget. That's good. Yeah, I, I guess the only, the only other thing I say to this is, is, I don't look at it as saving. I look at it as investing in my future self. Yep. And so when you start looking at it that way, you, you'll start to realize, yeah, there, there are some, some um, some languages that don't have future tenses. That's good. So, so the English language, we, we have a past tense, we have a present tense, we have a future tense. And the languages that don't have a future, that, 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 don't, have the, that don't differentiate the present from the future, on average, the individuals save like four times more money because our future self isn't different from our current self. I wish we looked at it that way, but the good news is we can. Y'all got to echo that. Man, that was powerful. I think they need to hear that again. Because it's like, you save for today and you invest for tomorrow. So if something happened to me today, I'm not pulling it from my future. I'm pulling it from my present. Save for today. Man, that was the tweet. <laughs> Thanks, brother. Right. Thanks, guys. Thanks for being here. I know we can definitely do two more. I'll, I'll do my best to do three more if, if they're back there. Howdy. Hi. What's your name? <laughs> Sam. Where are you from, Sam? Uh, right now, I'd say I'm from Boston. Okay. It's <laughs> um, a long drive. So, yeah. Well, we're moving back there um, next week, actually. We came down to save some money living with my mom right now. Bravo. Um, yeah. So she was super generous, gave us a really nice loan to pay off our credit cards. So, I mean, we still owe money, but she's letting us do it, like, interest-free. Um, so in the long run, I think it'll save us a lot of money. But when we move back, we're kind of deciding, like we do still have student loans, we still do have this loan to my mom. Do we continue to rent, which we've been you know, in, in a new place at least once a, year, once a year, we move into a new rental? Or now that I paid off all those You can't afford cards, to buy a house. Okay. 
<laughs> uh, it's okay. Um, uh, and it doesn't mean you won't be able to afford to buy a house at some point. Uh, a few things. I don't know if Anthony will agree with me on this, but I never borrow money from friends or family. Um, <laughs> uh, and, and the reason being is it completely changes the way the relationship is with that person. All of, a, all of a sudden, you feel indebted to them, or if you are the person who loaned them money, I've had this happening in the past where I've given money, and it's caused this tension because every time I see them, all of a sudden, they're dodging me for some reason. And it's like, oh, it's okay, man, if you need more time. But they, they felt the tension, and it created this different dynamic in the relationship. First thing I would do is find a way to pay back your mother. I know there's low or no interest on that. But there's much more interest in, your, in, in the cost of your relationship. And I know it may, it may not seem like it is costing you anything right now, and they're doing it out of love. That's absolutely why they're doing it. But I'm saying that it changes the dynamic of the relationship, and I don't like to owe anyone that I know any money. I mean, hell, I don't like to owe anyone any money. Um, uh, after that, I mean, you want to be completely debt-free before you think about getting a house. My, my rules are probably somewhat similar to where Anthony is. I, I would never take out more than a 15-year mortgage and have, and have at least 20% down payment. That's bare minimum. In an ideal world, I'd want to be able to put down at least 50% and have a, have a seven-year mortgage. That's where I would want to be. I'll tell you the other I mean, thing. Hold on. We have someone laughing who has a mortgage. <laughs> no, they laughing at me because I love you, bro. <laughs> no, wait, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hold on. So, so, so I actually own a house. Own, own the house. Um, and and the, the reason that I own the house is because I wasn't willing to go into debt for it, right? And so I had to save up enough money. Now, I own a house in Dayton, Ohio. It's the third most... Uh, inexpensive place to own a house in in the country and it's a rental property but the only way I could do that is by not having any debt now would I have been comfortable buying that house putting half down if I couldn't afford to, to buy the whole thing sure Dayton Ohio you can buy a really nice house for thirty forty thousand dollars and and a whole lot of sweat equity right and, and being willing to, to invest something besides the money. And so ultimately, when I look at buying a house, I don't look at it as simply an investment. I don't think of wasting my, I'm wasting my money on rent. I don't want to get in over my head. And That's I, exactly how we felt. We didn't know if like paying rent was, you know, if we should put that toward something yeah. that we could maybe get back. I don't know. I, I and that's just what, it. You might get it back. Yeah. Like you're moving next week. Yeah. Well, yeah, we weren't going to buy like right now, but we didn't know if that was like something we should, you know, go towards soon yeah. or when it, we're completely like debt free. Yeah, I, I point out that you're moving next week because only because this probably isn't the last time you're going to move. Mm -hmm. And, you know, unless you are looking at a, an area that you're going to be in for, you know, at least five years, then you might want to consider buying a house if you have no debt. <laughs> And you have 20% down. But that, that rent, I, I know people look at that and like, oh, I'm just throwing away money. I'm throwing away money. But you, you are paying for something very valuable. And that's the freedom to walk away. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Listen, um, I echo what they say. You know, um, and I just want to encourage you, like, hey, uh, take care of that. I totally disagree with borrowing money and even lending money to family members and friends. I always say, if I can't give it to you, you're not going to have it because it, can, it could just hurt the relationship. So I would definitely pay back your family um, and then also just attack your debt. And like you said, the, the, the practical steps. 
is once you get out of debt completely, family and debt, um, set aside three to six months. Because do you all have kids? One, yeah. You have one child? Um, the most important thing that, that puts people back into debt when they get out of debt is they're not prepared for that emergency. And so what I would recommend you all doing with having one child is to set aside three months, then start saving for a house in the future. So that way, if an emergency does happen, you can go to that emergency fund savings and spend from there and not jeopardize your future. And here's one reason why we all believe to put down 20% of the home. A lot of people say, that's a lot of money. Why not do a 0% down program? Well, it's called PMI private mortgage insurance. And the average person is gonna spend about $100,000 paying back just for PMI on a mortgage. So you're spending so much more money on something that you doesn't go towards your principal nor your interest, you're just giving it to the bank just to have. And so it's important to understand why you're renting. You're renting so you can get into a house the proper and the cheapest way possible. If you jump into a house of 30 years, you're gonna spend a lot of money and a good portion of that is gonna be just thrown away and it doesn't go towards your house. So what I recommend you doing is when you're in there renting, renting, have a plan, have a budget, and you just put that up there and you see it every single day, and you know what? Go get a picture of the kind of house you want and look at that every single day and say, this is why we're renting. Because when we get into that, we're gonna finance it for 15 years, we're gonna put down 50%, we're gonna do what Josh did, and we're only gonna finance it for seven. You know what, we're gonna own it, and it's gonna be ours. And my kids, we're gonna pass this down to my kids. It's gonna go to my kids' kids, because we did it right. A lot of my peers who jumped into a mortgage, they're looking at me like, how did you do that? Because I was patient. Thank, Thank you. you, thank, thank you. you very much. I know we have time for one more. I'll do my best to squeeze it. Do we have two people there? Is it, is that, okay, okay. Yeah, we'll get both of you and then that will be it. I know I'm already like 10 minutes over, but that's okay because we have two other segments to get to in a moment. Howdy, Hello. what's your name, where are you from? Raina from Jacksonville, Florida. Well, oh. thanks for being here. Yes, great to be here. Um, so this is actually about advertisement. I never realized how sickening advertisement was until watching your documentary. <clears throat> Sorry. Uh, when did you realize advertisements were more of a burden in your lives than beneficial? And did living a more meaningful life um, play a role in your hatred for advertisements? And in what ways did you condition yourselves to turn your head to them, or did it just come naturally like to you guys? Yes, yeah, so I, I wrote a long essay called Can We Have an Honest Conversation About Advertisements? It's, uh, it, thanks. It, it's up on our website, and it, it's... Uh, it took me, I don't, I've written books in less time than writing this uh, relatively short essay. It was like five, 6,000 words. Um, and basically, I wanted to have the conversation with myself first about, okay, why, why, why do I dislike advertisements so much now? But also, what's the upside of advertisements? Because, yes, I do think that advertisements suck, but they're not all, all inherently bad either, right? There are some that are just really awful. They're really, they're done poorly. Um, they're manipulative. They're getting you to buy things, to go into debt. Uh, they don't serve you. They just get in the way of living your life. On the best side, we, there are advertisements that educate, that, that allow you, when I think about 
someone who talks about a, a product or service that you know that they actually use in their own life, that's more beneficial to me than if I just hear, there's some podcasts I listen to, I've heard them talk about three different mattresses on their podcast. And it's like, okay, well, I, well which one do you use and like? I'm, I'm not really sure, like, how do I trust this, right? And so it's removed a lot of trust from the conversation for me. And I also think that we confuse advertising with marketing. And marketing is just, marketing, marketing really just means I'm going to find a polite way to communicate with you. And, and sometimes that, that can mean, like Ryan and I have written three books together, and what, it's something I'm really proud of. I'll talk about that book. Uh, during the um, event beforehand, someone said they just got the, the bag that we, we, we finally started selling a, a one physical product, but the marketing campaign for that was, this is a bag and you probably don't need it, and so you probably shouldn't <laughs> buy it. We realized that we wanted to proudly exclude 99.9% .9 of all people who would see this and say, hey, you probably don't need it, think about it. But there are some people who may actually get value from it. So let's delineate advertising from marketing. Advertising is when a corporation or entity pays someone to talk about their good or service, whether or not it's an actual endorsement of that product. Marketing means, hey, I'm proud of this and I think you'll find value in it. And if we can get, if we can differentiate those two things, then we'll realize that sometimes, and there's really bad marketing too, don't get me wrong, most marketing out there is like vapid self-promotion and, and, and social media has really amplified the, the vapidity of that self-promotion. But we're also able to use those same tools to communicate clearly and effectively. And so I don't think all advertisements are bad, and I don't think we're gonna live in a world without advertisements. You see 5,000 advertisements a day. You don't even realize it because they're so plentiful. I have a, a, a balcony, and I live in Los Angeles now, and, and I rent, rent the place I live in in Los Angeles because I couldn't afford to buy it. Um, and so I, on this balcony, there are several billboards nearby, and so I, I get to wake up every morning to whatever musician is advertising on the billboard that week. And, and what I realized is that I'm not going to be able to block all of these out. There is not an ad blocker for real life. And so what's more important is for me to become more aware of what these advertisers are trying to do. And when I do that, I realize like, oh, some of these can be useful. Oh, the, the new Canyon City album came out. There's a billboard for it. Maybe I'll, I'll listen to it now. I mean, hopefully Paul would just text me if that was the case. But, but you get my point. And so when it comes to advertising, no, they're not all evil. They're not all bad. They're not, but they're also not all created equal. And if you become aware that what these people are trying to do is they're not, they don't just want your money. That is a precious resource. But they want your most precious resource. They want your attention. And that's a resource you will never get back. I, uh, I, this question made me think about when I started cutting out as many advertisements as possible. It was um, at some point during The Minimalists, and I was recalling this story about how um, when I was in the corporate world, I went to the Lexus dealership to price out a brand new ISF, which is like their... F-Series is like Lexus's big thing. Were you inspired by me? Because I own two Lexuses <laughs> at the time. A little bit. A little inspired by you, actually. Yeah. Like Josh had two Lexi? <laughs> Lexuses? 
And I'm like, I'm gonna get a Lexus and it's gonna be nicer than Josh's. And, and it wasn't just nicer than Josh's, it would've been nicer than like 90% of the other, other Lexi on the road. But when, when I, uh, I did not end up getting the car because it was, it was so expensive and I, I saw myself like, you know, maybe having three to f- six months of a being able to afford that car. And I could at least look, you know, three months ahead at that point in time. Um, but, but I'll tell you, the only reason why I wanted to buy that car, it's because I was subscribed to a magazine and this magazine had this ISF on like every issue for like, you know, about six months. And it finally, I was like, yeah, like I'm going to go price this thing out. And when I realized kind of how that magazine, how much influence it had, it wasn't just the car. There were other things in that magazine that had advertised that I had absolutely went out and got specifically just because it was in that magazine. And I thought that if I bought what was in that magazine, I'd be GQ too. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I was talking to Jordan about this the other day because Jordan actually uh, has done a lot of video work, uh, filmmaker work for uh, different marketing companies. And even someone like him who is, <laughs> who is really well-versed in... He's so indiscreet. And <laughs> so, we always say in order to become a minimalist, you have to have great hair. Or no hair, which is the wow. best hair. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, but he was he was saying that like even him, as someone who's who's well versed in like the mechanics behind making the advertisement, he's like he saw I think it was a Rolex ad or some ad for a watch, and they had all of these different um, they they had all of these different like movie stars in there from movies past. So it was like Steve McQueen and Paul Newman, the the salad dressing guy. Um, and uh, uh, dude, Cool Hand Luke is one of it's probably my favorite movie. Ryan, I could eat fifty eggs. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, a- anyway, like he saw all these like movie stars. They're all wearing the same Rolex, and he's like, "Oh, if I get the Rolex, then I'll be just like Steve McQueen." The Rolex is not going to make you Steve McQueen, or and it's not going to buy you any more time either. And Alexis isn't going to make me GQ. No, no. I, I, for anyone out there like who is having um, earlier uh, from from Dayton over there, you were talking about how you know how can you kind of scale back on these on these impulses? Cut out as many advertisements as you can. That that means putting up ad blockers on your on your. If you got a, a you know a web web browser and you don't have an ad blocker on there, like that is a free tool you can use that will cut out a heap load of advertisements that you are seeing on a daily basis. Take social media off your phone. That will That's another huge one. Yeah. yeah. Anything you can do to cut out as many advertisements as possible, it will you will absolutely desire to buy less. You will you will see and feel less of those impulses. I'm 20 minutes over. Let's cram in this last question. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Howdy. Hey, I'll be quick, but uh, What's your name again, brother? Mike. Thanks for being here, Mike. Um, Mike, I was, I'm so glad you came <laughs> up because you were talking about, so when we did that little pre-event, I was like, who's here to see Anthony? And Mike was like, I am. I'm in college. I need to talk to Anthony. <laughs> I'm so glad you made it up, man. Thanks for coming up here. I'm glad to be here. I actually go to college down the street at UAB. So cool, man. Go Blazers. Yeah. But um, uh, right now I'm in school. I'm going to be a senior next year. And so my question was, I'm thinking about going to grad school. And so for future uh, loans that I will or will not have to take in future or past loans that I've already had to take, right now I'm looking, trying to balance school life and studying with trying to be financially independent. So any advice would help. 
Yeah, I'd just give you something short. Uh, to get out of the hole, stop digging. <laughs> Bless you. <laughs> well, my answer is gone. I'll see y'all next time. <laughs> I mean, this man right here. You want to come work with us, man? I mean, just, Dave will love you. Um, yeah, man, I, I got to echo what he says, man. I mean, I, I would ask myself, do I need this degree? Um, why keep digging into the hole and I want to get out of it? That just, it gets on my nerves sometimes when people ask that. You're not getting on my nerves. Um, but I'm just saying, like, when I have kids come to me, for an example, I had a young kid come up to me. She says, she says um, I want to own my own hair school, and she does really good with hair right now. She says, so yeah, I'm going to go to school and get a bachelor's degree in business. But you want to do hair? Like, you don't need to go get a four-year university degree for that. But you need to go to, go to hair school. And you need to hire someone that has a business degree or a CPA license to handle your business. So what am I telling for yourself? Get out of school. Do not go to grad school. Okay? Figure out what you can do right now with your bachelor's degree. Yeah. And then if you do need the grad school to do your dreams, figure out how, how to pay for it cash or how to get your company to pay for it for you. That's it right there. Okay? Yeah. You know, so um, I tell every young person is if you don't go to school on a scholarship, go into the workforce, go into the military and figure out how they will pay for it. You know, I didn't finish my degree like him, too. And uh, recently, uh, school said, man, you're traveling around the world. You know, you, sh you need to get your bachelor's degree. So I was like, you going to tell me what I need to do? And they was like, yeah, you need a bachelor's degree. I said, cool. So are you going to pay for it? And the president said, yes. I said, cool. <laughs> but I still didn't do it because I don't need it. Yeah. And, and to me, my time is very important. And so if I don't need the degree, I'm not going to pursue the degree. So I would definitely say for yourself, sit down. Do not go to grad school right now, man. Get out. Enjoy yourself. You're young. You're single. i got to ask that question. Yeah. You're single? Single man right here, ladies. Um, <laughs> go out there and enjoy life, man. Find your wife. Build a family and figure out if you need. Why y'all laughing? Me and you, bro, I'm single. These guys are married. I we need I, to find us a family. I think, I think they're laughing because you're projecting your dream. Oh. <laughs> Fine. Stay single for the rest of your life. Go to grad school. No. Don't go to grad school. No, I'm just playing. Seriously, man, don't do it. I, I do to say this just because I am a biomedical engineering major. And so a lot of people, at least who are going to my profession, typically go into grad school because they can't get jobs just as an undergrad. Oh, let me ask you this, and, and you may not know the answer to this right now, but whatever the next step is, the next job, if you were to have that, that graduate degree, my guess is there is a, an employer who'd be willing to pay you yes. to go to school yes. for it that. It may not be in the exact field that you want to go into, but again, the, the getting out of, especially getting out of grad school debt-free, it is hard work. And it, it, you know, not only do you got grad work, but yeah, you might have to work a job for a couple of years that uh, may not be like the most perfect job that you've ever landed, but at least it's enabling you to add that next layer to your life, debt free. That's the important part. Yeah, thanks for your question, brother. Appreciate You're it. So much. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate you, man. The minimalists. <laughs>